sometimes you don't really know who you have in your midst. Because uh, often, sometimes all you see is just what you see. And uh, there's, uh, for the most part, for so many of us, there's more to what you just see. See, last night, uh, Lady Rita and I went to uh, Zanier concert. We went to it last year as well, and uh, it was uh, off the chain. Last night, we had a long day starting early in the morning, about 5 or 6 o'clock, and um, pretty tired just from uh, other things that have been going on and dealing with. And uh, yet we pressed our way after yesterday afternoon, had a luncheon with one of the ministries as well, and we made our way. We were trying to get back home to change, and uh, just because of time elements and things having in between to deal with everything, we just never made it back home. And so we went like we were looking yesterday morning, which was, we fit right in all right, though. And uh, uh, we just tired, just tired, just tired. And uh, I didn't want to miss it. And uh, it was uh, tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. I'll use the word concert because that's what was on the flyer. But uh, the most invigorating and inspirational element last night was Minister Randy Nunn and just us. And as I was in the midst of what was taking place, tired in my body, uh, mentally I was there, but physically it may have looked like I wasn't. But as I was sitting there and what was taking place was reminiscent of experiencing and encountering God through Elder William Rimson and the LPC as I was just sitting there taking in because there was a move of God that took place in that place. It just wasn't singing. Look at somebody say it just wasn't singing. God was in that place, and there was a move of God that came through there that we just could not leave. I know y'all weren't there, but we just, as tired as I was, sort of dozed a little bit driving to Anderson, but I said, I got to be there. As tired as I was, we could not just get up and leave because of what was happening in the midst of that quote-unquote concert. Uh, bless you, man. Bless you, brother. Sometimes you really don't know. You don't know who you got in your midst. You just see a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you say, oh, well, okay. Uh, but uh, that's why sometimes you just got to go and check other things out as well because uh, you might miss something by what you don't see. And so I was blessed. And guess what? I couldn't go to sleep when I got home. God was in that place. Turn with me to the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1. 
be reading out of the King James Version. I'm going to read a little bit here out of this chapter. When you have it, just holler. I don't sound like a holler to me, but all right. <laughs> Luke chapter 1. Y'all couldn't hear me or what was it? You couldn't hear me? Luke chapter 1. And when you got it, holler. Glory. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 reads, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah or Abijah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, her name was Elizabeth. Skip down to verse 8. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without or outside at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer or your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. Skip down to verse 18. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel. Stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and be made mute, unable to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, those who were outside, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration or menstruation uh, were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, Elizabeth conceived, and he hid herself and hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And that reproach was the fact that she had no children. Look at verse 13 and 14 closely. But the angel said unto him, Fear not. Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, 
and you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. And in your hearing, you can write down the verse, don't turn to it, just listen. Proverbs 13 and 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. A long field, but when a long field desire comes, it is a tree of life. Now, those who've studied some preaching and, and have learned some things in regards to that academic science, uh, one of the things that uh, your, your, your instructor have found not to have a very long title. Uh, because uh, I don't know if it's because now people, we have uh, short uh, memory spans and retention and so forth. Uh, but try not to have a sermon or a sermon title uh, that is longer than about seven words. Uh, so I'm not going to be conventional today. Uh, my sermon title is going to be longer than seven words. And here's why. God is not through blessing you. I can stop right there for a sermon title, but I got to go a little further. God is not through blessing you because God has not forgotten you. God is not through blessing you because God has not forgotten you. I know in the time of Christmas, we come down to point of the year where we sort of look back and say there's some things I wanted that haven't quite yet happened yet. In the last month of the year, thing, time is winding down, and, and I know people kept telling me, this is your year, this is your year, this is your year. Ain't nothing happened yet in the year. Uh, but here we are at the end of but each of the gospel writers presents in his own unique way the story of Jesus as we do in this period of time of the season. We celebrate uh, the coming of our Lord and Savior. And so each of the writers presents this story in a unique way. Matthew begins with the genealogy, the first gospel that is that we have in our Bible, begins with the genealogy of Jesus and gives an account of his birth. Mark opens his gospel with John the Baptist's preaching ministry and him baptizing Jesus. John begins with Jesus being the pre-existent Christ in divine relationship with God the Father, who, Jesus that is, becomes incarnate or takes upon himself human flesh. That's how the story begins. But Luke, Luke offers us a narrative about the births of John the Baptist, who was a relative of Jesus, as well as the birth of Jesus, which is not found in any other of the gospel accounts. In this gospel, we'll introduce to a couple of the name of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Look at somebody and say, Zach and Beth. Well, we could say Zach and Leah, say however you want to say it. But what makes them special to us in one sense is that they are representative personalities that we can identify with. Not 
necessarily because they were old, but because of something else that's found here in about their story. And even if you are old and there are some things you have been looking for, you truly can identify with them. Or there may be just some things you have been waiting on for a long time. Anybody still waiting on some stuff? Anybody still waiting for God to do something? Uh, you've been holding on to this thing for 20 or 30 years, 35 years to be exact for me. You've been waiting on some things for a long time, and they yet have not yet occurred. Here we introduce to this couple. They are representative personalities that we can identify with. For though they are now aged, an old couple, Scripture says they're well stricken in years, and that they have had the experience, this is where we can connect with them, they've had the experience, or they have experienced the frustration of living with an unfulfilled desire. Is anybody there? Uh, yeah, you let living with an unfulfilled desire. They did not have a child, specifically a son, because Elizabeth, according to the text, was barren. She was unable to conceive. There are many others in the scripture uh, that we read about in this same condition. But in the Jewish culture, this was considered as not having God's blessing and favor on your life. This was a cause of suffering, the ultimate disappointment personally and societally as humiliation, a reproach, an outright disgrace in life. They probably had felt this great discouragement and possibly even depression, and especially for Elizabeth because of how the women were looked upon in this kind of state. <clears throat> now, the first part of the verse that I didn't have you turn to, Proverbs 13 and 12, speaks to the discouragement and depression that can come from having one's hopes, longing, and desires delayed or unfilled. Yet even more so when they are thwarted or they are prevented from happening in life. Ah, for hope delayed, hope that is on hold, hope that doesn't just seem to come can make the heart sick, depressed, discouraged. To be childless was economically and socially disastrous. Economically, because parents had no one to support them in their old age. Uh, socially, because in the law, barrenness was sometimes a judgment for sin. And many people assumed the worst possible cause of a problem or a situation, as people do today. Most people assume that barrenness was a defect of the wife. And Jewish teachers generally insisted that a man can divorce or a man divorce a childless wife so that he could procreate. Again, because of the economics that come along with that. In addition to being barren, now they are advanced in age. Elizabeth 
no longer could entertain the possibility and hope that probably every Jewish woman had of possibly being the mother of the Messiah. And as so many people have experienced, life seems so often not to be fair. But God never promised us a life without disappointment. God has not promised us a life without any frustration. God has not promised us a life without any pain. And so whereas people are so quick to assume and or make a judgment about someone or in their situation, God knows the real deal. Yet for this couple, people were aware that sin was not the cause of their case. For Zacharias and Elizabeth were both from priestly lineage. We found that out in verse 5. Yet more importantly, they were righteous and blameless before God, according to verse 6. With that then being the case, this childless state and barren condition must have meant something else than from the divine perspective. Not humanly, but from the divine perspective. Darrell Bach wrote, sometimes a roadblock is not a dead end, but a fresh turn in the road. Sin wasn't the blame for their unanswered prayers for children. But God wanted them to experience and play a part of something more than just having a child. What we find here in this story is that what have been what had been a long-term void in Zacharias and Elizabeth's life was really a part of God's sovereign plan. So sometimes you might be in a spot that really is a part of God's plan. Tell somebody, don't allow the delay of a desire. Come on, talk to them a little bit this morning. Don't allow the desire, the delay of desire. Come on, talk to them. I'm sorry. I know you might be listening. I'm still tired from yesterday and the day before and the night before and the day before and the night before, but tell them again, don't allow the delay of a desire drag you down. Don't let the delay of a desire, even a long-term desire, don't let the delay drag you down. I might be talking to somebody up in here. And here's why. God knows how long each of us can bear frustration. Therefore, he will not fail to invigorate our hope of realization at some point in your life. In Zacharias and Elizabeth's case, for whatever reason, God waited till they were old. He stepped in late in the game in their lives to change their frustration into fulfillment. I know you possibly may be saying, but Pastor, please tell the Lord, don't wait so long in my life. Sometimes things come late in life. But tell somebody, but that's all right. Especially in God. Yet regardless, whenever God steps in, whenever he comes, you'll experience what this couple experienced 
that's expressed in the second part of Proverbs 13 and 12. But, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. For when a longing is fulfilled, it causes joy and happiness. Tell somebody, weeping may endure through the night. But joy, uh, y'all know the rest of it. But joy comes in the morning. Let's look at the story real quick. I'm trying to get through this here, but I'm trying to give you something to, to help you make it through. There are two ways to look at this story to get an understanding. One way, and I hope I can get to the second way. I don't know. I may not get there. We'll see. But one way is through the screenplay, which is simply reading the narrative or the written work which details the movement in the story, details the actions, the expressions, and the dialogues of the characters. And so in the narrative, starting in verse 8, we find Zacharias executing his duty as a priest in the temple sanctuary. The temple priesthood was organized into 24 divisions. Each division served two times a year, one full week each time. So two times a year for an entire week, they served in the temple. Zacharias was in the eighth division of the 24 divisions of Abiah or Abijah. This is, comes under how David had put the priesthood and divisions to serve in the temple. The temple sanctuary or the naos consisted of the holy place and the most holy place. And this particular compartment or area in the entire temple complex was the symbol of God's presence because it was somewhat not necessarily totally in the center, but because of it being segregated, it was a part of, but yet it was distinct from all of the rest of the temple area, the holy place and the most holy place. And so burning the incense at the altar was an important task because it was symbolic representing the rising up to God of the prayers and the longing of his people as the people were outside praying. Priest was inside burning the incense, and the smoke of the incense would arise up and go out of the temple into the air, representing the prayers and the longings of God's people who were praying on the outside. The incense was kept burning perpetually. It was called a continual fire, continual burning in the Old Testament. Just in front of the veil that divided the holy place from the most holy place. And those of you that understand the Old Testament, the most holy place in the old days was the place that only the high priest could enter behind the veil. The other priests would work the inside of the holy place there. There were two times set for prayer at the temple, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Luke does not inform us what time that Zacharias was performing this at all. But it was either at 9 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon. 
The burning of incense before the Lord on the altar was the most coveted service in the temple sanctuary. Because of the large number of priests, most would never be chosen to serve for such a duty. No one was permitted to serve in that capacity twice. So we only got one time in your entire lifetime to do this service before the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. In other words, there were so many priests. One accounting is that there were 18,000 priests. That there were so many priests that this special honor might come, as I said, just once in a lifetime or not Once in a lifetime, and not at all. Zacharias is an old man. And so the only way to serve in this capacity was by lot, according to verse 9. This was the method to discern God's will of who among us gets the opportunity, the coveted opportunity to go before the presence of the Lord and to serve him in offering the incense of sacrifice. So only one priest at a time had the honor of burning the incense at the altar only once in his lifetime. So this was truly a big deal. Tell somebody, this was a big deal. And it was once in a lifetime opportunity to serve, just to do one, my God, I hope you can just hear this, just to do one thing of the Lord, not doing everything, but one special thing because of what it represented to serve in the house of God. And so no doubt, Zacharias regarded this as the supreme, the apex, the climatic moment of his lifetime, of his priestly service, finally at an old. Perform this priestly duty, Zacharias would have entered the holy place where only the priests could enter. The holy place consisted of three things, a lampstand, a table of bread, and the altar of incense. And not prepared, though, going in to do his duty. He was not prepared for the unplanned interruption of God as he stands in front of the heated altar of incense, probably on the north side of the temple in that area. And then suddenly, look at somebody and say suddenly. Suddenly an angel by the name of Gabriel appears to him on the right side, or probably the south side, of the altar of the incense between the altar and the lampstand. Somebody might say, why the right side and not the left side? Well, the right side is considered to be the favorable side. I hope you hear me here. hope you hear me here because I'm going to give you a quick step of this story. But you got to get the story. It's considered the favorable side. And so Zacharias not only experienced an unplanned interruption by God, but he was now about to receive an unexpected favorable blessing from God. Sometimes you just got to go off the script because God may have something special to say to you that will change your natural into the supernatural. 
Uh, that's why you can't sometimes just be just quick and hurry to get out of church. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. That, that's another whole sermon by itself. You just can't be quick. Sometimes you want to, folks just want to fly out of here and stuff ain't in order before you left. God takes note of that. He takes note of it. He takes note of it. He takes note of it. If you're in such a hurry to get out of church, God doesn't say, well, I ain't coming then. God takes note of it. He takes note of it. Last night, we could have in our flesh. Because of God, we just could not leave. I hope that might be helping somebody out here. Mm. Sometimes God may have something special to change your natural into supernatural. Does anybody need God to interrupt what's going on in your life? And pronounce a blessing that favors your life. Let me just see your hands. Let God see your hands. Ah. So no matter what we're doing, most of the times we need God to interrupt the flow of stuff. We need God to step in and put his hands in it. So don't be so quick to rush God. Life may not be fair, but favor is the wonderful thing that brings flavor in your life. So the angel appears on the right side, the favorable side, because he's coming with a favorable blessing that's going to change this man's life, even in his old age. The favor of God can also enhance everything by what it brings to your life. Zechariah, those overwhelmed and taken with fear by God's interruption. Ah, and here's this message from Gabriel. Don't be afraid, Zacharias, in verse 13 and 14. Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Again, it's at the time when he is doing what symbolizes prayer going up. But I guarantee you, he wasn't just doing something. He was also praying. It says, your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This is reminiscent as you continue to read the scripture into the life of the church. It's reminiscent of what the same angel, Gabriel, told Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 4, 31. He said, your prayers and your arms are come up for a memorial before God. Your prayer, he said, is heard, and your arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. 
just because God hasn't said anything to you or replied to your prayer request, just because there seems to be a holdup on the manifestation of an answer to some prayer doesn't mean that God has not been mindful of you. It doesn't mean that God does not care about the pain you may be going through. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten the request that you presented to him at some point in time. Just because you haven't heard from God, and let me put a parenthesis, yet. Just because you haven't heard from God does not mean that God has forgotten you. Why? Because God is not through blessing you. I don't know who that's for today. God is not through blessing you. I want to encourage somebody and just tell them God is not through blessing you. There isn't one prayer that God has not heard. Actually, your prayer, based upon the word that the writer Luke uses here in this verse, basically, and actually, your prayer not only is heard, but it's also answered. Uh, the word that he uses that your prayer is heard is one that just doesn't mean about hearing, but it's coupled with something also being done. It says your prayer has been heard and it has been answered. Now think about it. Sometimes you're going through, you know what you need, but it ain't coming. But the most important thing is knowing this is that your prayer has been heard with the understanding that it's also been answered. And so really what you can say is this. What I know I needed, he already had it. Hope you get that. What I know I needed, he already had it. They needed a child in order to deal with the economics of their living, in order to dismiss the disgrace in society of the childlessness and the barrenness. But what I know I needed, God already had in your prayer is heard, but it actually is answered. And so it's doubtful here at the altar, though, because of their age and physical condition, that Zacharias was praying for him and Elizabeth to have a child at this moment in time. It's more likely that because of him carrying on his priestly duty at the altar that he was really praying for the coming of the Messiah. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Just like Anna, just like Simeon, they were looking for the consolation of Israel. The old folks knew what to look for. And there's another story. Let me move on from that. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. And it is in the midst of him taking care of God's business and praying for the things of God that God showed up to include taking care of his lifelong desire 
God showed up uh, with the answer to their personal and probably no longer prayed for requests of having a child. Just because of the thing or things you prayed for and it seems like time is just passing by and it ain't happening does not mean that it ain't on the way. Hope I'm helping somebody here today. In the midst, you got to catch that, in the midst of taking care of God's business. When God stepped in on the right side with the favor and the blessing, he also took care of Zacharias' long heart desire. Here's two things you got to remember. I'm almost done. I'm about done. Here's two things you got to remember. God does not always answer our prayers when we want him to. God does not always answer our prayers in the physical when we want him to. And for good reason. Because it shall be fulfilled in its season. And that's what the angel Gabriel told Zacharias in verse 20. He says, even though you may not believe it right now because you're really figuring out how in the world is going to happen, it shall in its season. So God didn't always answer or bring forth a manifestation uh, quickly. There, there, are some pray, there are some prayer requests of ours that may be linked to the purpose of God that will only manifest according to the plan and the timing of God. Zacharias, I don't think probably in his mind, knew, nor did, did uh, Elizabeth know that at this point of life that even the prayers they were praying when they were younger and able to have children, they probably never had in their mind that this was the plan that God had about giving them a child. And they were just praying for a child. So understand that God does not always answer our prayers when we want him to. And secondly, when he does answer, God may give you more than what you ask for. When he does answer, he may give you more than what you asked for. Zacharias and Elizabeth just wanted a child. Now, they may have wanted a slew of kids. Anybody want a slew of kids? They may have wanted their quiver full of kids, but possibly as time and age went by, they could have just wanted one child. All right? Anybody feel me? Or you feel them, hey, maybe we just, just God, we can't, if we can't have a house, well, at least just give us one. Let us have one. But in answering their requests, God gave them more than just a child. God gave them a special child. God gave them a child with a decisive role in God's plan of salvation. This child was bound up with redemption in a way far beyond anything that Zacharias expected. God didn't just give them any old child. God gave them a prophet. Gave them a prophet who would prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He gave them more. He gave them what they wanted, but he gave them more than what they just wanted. So with regards understanding. You got to read the narrative. You got to read it. You got to read it. 
you really get it. But sometimes you just want a cliff note. Anybody else doesn't want a cliff note sermon? <laughs> so with regards to understanding of the story about how you look at it, in addition to looking at the narrative or the screenplay of a story, you can also look at it by snapshots or screenshots. Whereas the narrative or screenplay provides the details, a snapshot of something allows you to step back from the details and instead you view something quickly or briefly just to get a sense of it. A snapshot is a piece of information or a short description that gives an understanding of a situation at a particular time. Any of y'all got one of these things right here? What do y'all do with it sometimes? You just take what? A snapshot. You take a quick picture that gives you a piece of information about a moment in time that you may have or are experiencing at any given moment. So in this story, as a close, the snapshot, the screenshot is simply the names of the characters in the story. You really, you understand, you see the narrative, you know uh, what happens in the story. But just looking at the names of the characters in this story will give you a feel of the essence and get an understanding of the narrative. Zacharias means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. I told you, God is not through blessing you. Why? Because he has not forgotten you. The Lord, Zechariah's name means the Lord remembers. Gabriel means strong man, hero. In other words, God is my strong man or God is my hero. The man that came with the message that God is the hero in your story. God is the one who's going to make what you think now is impossible. God is going to come as a strong man in your life and bless you with what you've been expecting and wanted all of your life. John, the son that's to be born, simply means to show favor, to be gracious. The angels tapped in on the right side, the favorable side to give a favorable blessing. And the boy's name just means grace. It means favor. Elizabeth means God is an oath. In other words, God gives an oath. And therefore, God is the absolute faithful one in our lives. For why? God, she says in verse 25, the Lord has dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me favorably to take away my reproach, my disgrace, my humiliation. God has taken away that from me because he is a faithful God. God gives promises and he maintains and keeps his promises. God hovers over his word to perform his word. God is the one who is able to do the impossible and the improbable. Or any other words you want to use it, there is nothing too hard for God. God is a faithful God who will hold true to his word. Just in their names gives us 
the essence and the importance of the story and this God that we serve. Richard Clean Wright had a song. Said what? God's not through blessing you. He said, you've been waiting on a blessing. It seems it just won't come. Doors are shut. Things are rough. It seems that you are done. Look at somebody say, but the devil is a liar and a deceiver too. God is not through. What's he not through doing? He said, you've been waiting on deliverance. It seems it just won't come. Body sick, pain everywhere. It seems nobody cares. Well, what about the devil? But what about God? God is not through blessing you. Tell somebody, whatever he promised, he is able to do. Because God is not through. Come on, tell somebody to help them real quick. God is not through. God is not through. Bless. Sing who? Now tell yourself, God ain't through with me. God ain't through with me. God is not through with me. God is not through blessing me. God's not finished blessing me. God has not put an end to blessing me because God has not forgotten me. God remembers you. So remember, there is no prayer, not one prayer has been prayed that God has not heard, nor has an answer already. 